I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Doug Dormy. He is recently retired uh, head girls basketball coach and girls track coach from Albuquerque High, as well as the uh, athletic director. He has over 40 years of coaching, um, 15 years at Albuquerque High. I believe the most basketball wins in uh, APS history. Former grad of University Colorado Boulder has been the uh, Southwest Regional Coach of the Year from the National Federation of High School Sports. And he's on the New Mexico Sports Hall of Fame uh, board member. So thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've listened to your podcast many times, so. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to cover too much for those that haven't maybe listened you know your daughter Danae has a podcast grounded with um with Danae Dormy and it's a fantastic podcast and she had you on uh not too long ago which was a great listen so I don't want to I don't want to cover necessarily <laughs> you know um everything that she covered as well but you know just for anybody who who didn't catch that but I will put the link in my notes what how did you get into running yourself um, well, my dad, my dad was a track coach in the sixties before he became a principal. So I was pretty small. I was like six and seven and, um, he was at a small school in the Southern New Mexico Turos, and they'd have to go a long ways to go to track meets. They'd have to get on buses every Saturday morning. So those several times I kind of just jumped on the bus with him and we went for the all day track meets and I always liked it. I played football and basketball in high school and I was ran track. Um, I was going to play, I had, a, I ran track and, and we had, you know, full athletic programs back in those days. And I ran track in junior high. We called it junior high. Then it was middle school and competed. And then when I got to high school, I wasn't sure if I was going to play baseball or football and, or track. I mean, in the spring and um, I had played baseball as well. And my football coach convinced me, he said, Hey, you're a pretty good runner. You need to stick to, to track. So I kind of just stayed with track and I, you know, you grow up, you, you, I did it. I was pretty good at it. Um, and, you know, I had some opportunities, um, you know, to, to excel in it. And, and I ran in this, and then we went to El Paso in the summer. My, my stepmom was working on a master's degree at UTEP. And I, that's probably where I really got interested in it. Um, they had a day camp there. And at the time, UTEP was in, they were in the seventies, they were the national champions every year and in, indoor and outdoor and cross country. And they had a coach named Ted Banks. If you ever want to research Ted Banks, he won, I think he won over 20 NCAA titles while he was at UTEP. So I jumped into their day program and it was really well run and it was, you know, his athletes worked it. And then they had a, they had a really good AAU track program, summer track program there. So I started running. So for two summers, I really got into it after my freshman year in high school. And after my sophomore year in high school, um, I lived in El Paso and I would go to kid field every day, Monday through Thursday. I remember we didn't have it on Fridays and I'd be sad. I'd go do track stuff. You know, we just did workouts and, you know, we just, we did some fun. We obviously, we did a lot of fun stuff, you know, um, but that's kind of where I, I got started with track and I, I kind of really started to enjoy it was probably after my freshman and sophomore year in high school at UTEP. 
that's that's pretty cool uh, that's and, and yeah anybody who who hasn't doesn't know about utep back in the day they yeah they were fantastic i mean yeah they, yes, they like, were like you said they had some amazing teams i um since starting this podcast and doing research on on kind of running in new mexico i mean learning about um utep and western new mexico back in the day like yeah george young ran at western yeah right he was second to the prefontaine in the trials yeah western i and i was a freshman in high school we ran our district track meet on the western campus it was pretty they had a nice track at the time you know it's obviously it was cinder track all the tracks were cinder then but right i had my first one of my first big varsity competitions in high school was at western new mexico wow silver city was in the ice in our district so silver high was in our district so we went and ran at western track that's that's pretty amazing and you know to your point back about you know the small schools and and those all-day track meets i mean that's what i grew up in when i was yeah. doing high school you know and and i know there's i mean a lot of the schools are, are still doing that if they're not in the metro area it was yeah it's yeah I, I, I know my senior year we went to uh i had played basketball we made it to the state tournament so i got to play in the pit and i went back and we had a really good team that year so they kind of built a schedule around and i think i had a lot to do with building this they they wanted to get me some competition and we had a couple other really good athletes so we ran at buoy in el paso um to start the year and El high school track in el paso is huge it was then and still is now and then we went back to a Eastwood's track meet. I think it was Eastwood. So I got to run my first two high school meets my senior year. And then we went, came into the White Sands relays, you know, Bob Sopova was a coach at Alan Mogoro. So yeah, I had, I went to all day track meets every Saturday. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> prelims, finals, you had to, you had to learn how to stay out of the sun. And it was tough. You know, it was really tough. We didn't obviously have the training methods that we had today. I would often think if I had run today, I might have run a little faster. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we ran on cinder track. Um, yeah, it was one time we were at a meet in Tier C. I think it was my sophomore year. It was a district meet, and it had rained. And it was so muddy, and they they decided, somebody decided to pour a little bit of gasoline on the track to dry it out, and they lit the track on fire. <laughs> 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 this is crazy. They tried it on one little small section because it was really muddy. But we ran. I mean, we ran in lots of mud, you know. Um that's just the way it was, you know. I never saw uh, all-weather track school. I, I went to UTEP and I ran there in the summer, and they had a tartan surface. Um, it was more rubbery than anything. And then, obviously, I, we came to state in Albuquerque, and then they had an all-weather surface as well. But you know, most of my high school meets were run on cinder. Crazy stuff. Yeah, I, that always intrigues me because I mean, I just can't even imagine you know just i mean lane one had to have been so packed down other lanes almost like you know you're you're well most most meets i remember when we hosted our meeting we're also called the rose relays and it there was about 30 high schools that came to it i remember all week and that was part of our duties as athletes we had to drag we dragged that track we made it level so when most people had it it was in good shape because if you dragged it you know it, it was in good shape but by the end of the meet yeah, by the end of the meet, lane one was a little worn. Um, if it was a good cinder track, it wasn't too bad. But the, you know, the difference was I, I remember, you know, watching, and I think I was, I read a book, I was reading about Jim Ryan running the mile and 
he was talking about the first time he went on an all-weather surface, he felt like his legs were bouncing right back up to him, whereas when he ran on cinder, he felt like he was sinking in quicksand. <laughs> so, you know, on a rainy day, a cinder could be really slow. You know, and if you were running a distance race, I, I remember in a 4 by 4 one time at a district meet, I was in second or third, and this kid was just spinning mud out at me. You know, his spikes were just sending mud back to me, you know, from the cinder. So, yeah, you had to deal with that, you know, coming back at you, you know, and you certainly didn't want to fall down on cinder because it would, you would get pretty cut up. But uh, it was, you know, a good cinder track was, was okay. I mean, I don't think we had the, we didn't really have the shin issues that you have now and some of the stress issues that you had now because you were always on a softer surface. Right. But you didn't run as fast. You didn't run as fast, you know. Uh, my senior year, Chuck Aragon was at Las Lunas and, uh, they let him run. I don't know how this happened, but they let him run in a meet at UNM when Tennessee was in a dual meet with the Lobos. And I, I don't know if they had a side. They may have had a side high school meet, but he broke 150 there. You know, wow. when it was in the 800 in the eight meters. He was the only kid, kid I think, in New Mexico at the time that had run under 150 in the 800. And he went to Notre Dame. He was All-American there. His two daughters really ran, ran well. You know, you just saw Christina running for Stanford in the Olympic trials. Right. But Chuck, I remember asking him, Chuck had been a basketball player in his senior year. He quit playing basketball. He just focused on cross country and track. And I remember asking him, what do you think made you run so fast? And he said, well, I, I ran on a fast track. He said, UNM had a really fast track that day. So yeah, when we got, when we got to a regular, you know, I ran pretty fast, you know, um, in El Paso when I was young and then I'd have to go back to Cinder and it was, it was hard. You know, you had to put your long spikes back on, right. um, you wore those long three-quarter spikes. They were long spikes, too. Uh, so if you got stepped on, that was another issue, which I got <laughs> stepped on one time. It took nine stitches to close my dash. Oh, uh, wow. You didn't want to get, yeah, you didn't want to get stepped on in the 60s and 70s because, <laughs> you know, people people wore pretty long spikes back in the day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, just not, not only the technology on the track as far as, you know, all weather versus, you know, the cinders, but you know, to be able to run on cinders. I mean, I've seen some of those spikes. I mean, they were just massive. Right, yeah. They were massive. Yeah. You change them out. And they, you felt like you were putting, you know, six, you know, you'd put, you know, some of the spikes you put four, some of you put, some of them would go, some of the sprinters like the six, six hole spikes for the sprinters and the hurdlers. Um, but yeah, you needed that grip. You needed to dig down into that cinder. So, yeah, if you put those little tiny one eighth or one quarter spikes in there, would you would have been, yeah, would have been worthless. <laughs> so then when we came when we came to UNM, we'd all everybody would have to go over to M and W Sporting Goods, and they were selling spikes. I remember we all had to change out our spikes, you know, and go to the shorter ones. So it was pretty funny. Oh, that is that is crazy. But but you're right. I mean, you know, back then. I mean, even for me, I mean, growing up in in the 90s, my area, my parents, where they lived just outside of, of Las Vegas, New Mexico, we were off a dirt road. And mm -hmm. it's only been in the last 15 years or so that they've that they've started to pave that. And, you know, I didn't have to deal with running on pavement unless I was, you know, running with the team on my own runs, my long runs, you know, it was all mm -hmm. all dirt. And now, I mean, if you're... Yeah, you're I metro area it's it's hard to find a good path if you're if you're not in the right spot yeah I, and i don't remember dealing with so with shin issues in high school and i don't remember my teammates really dealing with shin issues 
but you know now we get them on these surfaces and and kids you gotta you gotta really monitor them in their workouts now and uh, get them off those surfaces every once in a while very different it was very different for me when i ran in colorado um to be on an all-weather surface every day or you know we trained in the fall on grass and then when we went to the track it was we went to indoor you know i wasn't i had never run indoor ever in my life so um we we had a we had a tartan surface but then we would go to indoor meets and i'd run on wood so that was always tricky to find out what kind of spikes to wear on wood that was another that was another issue sometimes i felt like i would just run faster with racing flats on uh so i wore the shortest spikes you could possibly put out with wood you know i don't want my feet staying in the wood you wanted to come back out you know so yeah we ran on ran on cinder wood people don't understand those wood indoor old wood indoor tracks oh my dad used to talk about the the old wooden track at um here in albuquerque yeah kingley had a kingley you know albuquerque had a national meet it was it was it was pretty fantastic you know got a lot of publicity a lot of world class you know i think they set the world all the pole vaulters and jumpers would come here because of the altitude and right i want to say uh, i want to say it was i can't remember but they set the world pole vault record here one year in the in the 70s so it was pretty cool you know in the early 80s and then and then you know I'm not sure what happened, but that meat went away. And uh, I wasn't in New Mexico at the time, but it's been nice to see them resurrect the meats at the convention center. And I, you know, I commend Matt Henry for, for, for doing that because he doesn't get a lot of credit for bringing those meat, those meats back into New Mexico when he was a coach of the UNM. Yeah, no, I think, um, I, I agree. I think he did a wonderful job. It's amazing to see New Mexico, you know, a lot of people, like you said, I mean, jumpers and, and field events want to come out here because of the elevation, but, you know, distance runners and stuff don't, you know, this 5,000 no. feet. They but... want to train here. They don't want, they don't want to race here. Exactly. So they want to train in Flagstaff and Albuquerque and Boulder, but they don't, they don't want to race there. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, even at Albuquerque High, every once in a while, I once saw a world-class runner. We, we lock our track up over there in the back. It's pretty hidden. It's a very nice track in a, one day I saw a couple of world-class runners climbing the fence and I recognized them. I said, come on guys, I'll let you in. <laughs> you don't have to climb the fence. <laughs> so yeah, world, a lot of world-class runners in this area, you know, um, have come to Albuquerque. I know so many that have come to Albuquerque. I remember when Galen Rupp came to Albuquerque and stayed here for a while, trained, uh, and at the Nike project used our track at Albuquerque High a couple of times. So really, I did not yeah. know that. Wow. Yeah, Rupp, Rupp was here for a while with, with uh, several runners. They were here for a while. You know, it's been a, it was a controversial project, but at the right. time, you know, yeah, they were looking for a place to run one day, and I let them run at our school. I think they worked out mostly at Academy, though. Yeah, I know a lot a lot of the um, world-class runners uh, who have been around have worked at Academy before. Yeah, I, I've a lot of them have worked out at our school as well, so... Yeah. You know, Joe Franklin always tells me you have the best track in New Mexico. So I think he tells some of those runners that they always wander over there. there you go. We'll go out there and it'll be somebody from some world-class runner. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going we to have to have to check it out because our track SND is, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Oh, we, no. need, we need an upgrade. <laughs> no, we have a beautiful facility. It's as athletic director, that was the first thing I did was make sure we got a brand new track and, we were one of the first, you know, we had a polyurethane surface. It's, it's, it's nice. It's like, it's like the one at community. It's beautiful. Oh, that's nice. That is a, that is yeah. a nice, uh, a nice surface, a nice track. Um, 
transaction. Communities are, yeah, communities are good facility to just put in a place where the wind blows. <laughs> right. Yeah, I that's mean, the only. That's the biggest. Yeah. Thing <laughs> And there's no, there's not a, a whole lot of shade like we had for for this track season. It was a, it was a little uh, yeah warm. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually it's the coldest place in town in March and April when we have meets. And then this year we ran in June and it was the hottest place in town with all that cement. But yeah. you know, it's it's actually designed very well. Um, I was on the design committee when we built that. That's how long I've been around. Oh um, wow. They didn't do everything I asked. Like you know, the warm-up area. I, I wanted there to be more of a connection between the regular football field and the warm-up area, and they cut that out. Uh, we wanted to make it like um, the UNM situation where the track is on one side, the football field is on the other. So they, they copied that. So I was on the original plans for that. I was on the design committee for that. It was pretty nice to do that. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I, I mean, I do enjoy it. Th I think the setup is great. And it, um, yeah, it would have been nice if there was like you said a little bit more connection for the athletes to that's that's the uh, biggest downfall that place has i wish i could do something about it the, the warm-up areas you know just being a former athlete and right understanding that you have to warm up properly you know walking upstairs is not ideal and then coming back downstairs is not ideal so right. i wish they would have put some kind of tunnel in there so kids could move back and forth from that yeah the football field to the track yeah that would be that would be ideal <laughs> but like you said i mean you being you being an athlete yourself i mean you you understand this stuff and you know going into that talking about the um your time at university of colorado you know i was fascinated when you're talking to your daughter about that you were only on on the track team that you didn't have to run cross country as a distance runner no I mean, I ran the 800. I mean, I, tr I trained with them my, my sophomore and junior year, but I, I could never make that, that traveling squad. I mean, my junior year, they got uh, second and we lost to Oregon. We were third when I was a sophomore, and I think we were second when I was a junior. I couldn't break that top seven. But I trained with them. Um, so I always just ran indoor and outdoor. So I, I just, you know, I ran in a couple of smaller cross-country meets, you know, when they take you to the smaller meets like at Fort Hayes or you know somewhere then uh, or you know go to metro or somewhere but i never i never travel with the the big squad they were too good for me <laughs> those kids they recruited world class i mean colorado gets really good distance runners my roommate was was bob radnotti he was a state mile champ out of greeley west and um i think he ran a 410 in high school he was really good and i i would run with him you know i, I felt good because towards the end of my time there i was able to run with those guys but boy in the beginning i'd stay with them for about two or three miles and then it was i couldn't see him at the end um yeah we had good runners at colorado i mean even on the women's side when i was a freshman mary decker was a freshman oh wow uh, yeah she was really good you know she lived there on campus just like the rest of us you know we worked out with the women quite a bit just watching her train and watching mary um she won the she won the nationals after her sophomore year and then she turned pro after her sophomore year so she was only with us for two years and back then you had to be really good to turn pro. And then she left and went to, went to Eugene. I, I think Nike kind of supported that. And then she left the university of Colorado, but we had good runners. We had really good runners. Um, and there was a lot of, at that time, Boulder was sort of the Mecca for world-class runners. You know, Frank Shorter had just won the gold medal and the silver medal. Right. So he would come work out. So you could be running there and then, the, you know, Rick Rojas and Frank Shorter and, her, you know, lots of world-class guys would come running by and you'd be, holy cow, you know, and we have 
a lot of all comers meets or, you know, early season meets and they'd have a 3000 meter indoor right there in Belk Fieldhouse. You never knew what world-class runner, it'd be an open 3000 and you always wanted to sit around and watch that. They always had it right before the four by four. You always wanted to sit around and watch that because, uh, you never knew who was going to run. Right. You'd see some, yeah, you'd see shorter running and he ran a lot of those races and, and, you know, guys would show up, you know, or, you know, Dick Quay of New Zealand showed up one day to run with shorter in a, in a 3000 meter race. And, you know, you'd get all these world record holders and show up. And so it was kind of, uh, it was a little bit intimidating. And uh, at the same time, it was fun. And there was two major running teams in Boulder at the time. There was, you know, well, obviously it was University of Colorado. And then there was the Frank Shorter Racing Team. And then there was the Colorado Track Clubs. So they were, they were kind of rivals. Um, so yeah, it was, there was a lot of world-class runners there. Um, you know, Frank actually ran with the Colorado track club, I think for a while. And then I think some of those guys broke off and then they ran for different clubs, but I just know there was a lot of world-class runners and, uh, they were all over Boulder at the time. That was sort of the Mecca for running. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's fascinating just to be, to be able to be around. That, yeah, it uh, was. Hey. Yeah. I, I think had I gone to a smaller school, I would have probably been much better. It was. But what I learned from being at my time in Boulder was, I think it helped me be a better coach down the road. I think, you know, it was, I certainly got a high school job immediately because of my ties to CU Boulder and being a runner. Um, I got a really good uh, job right out of, right out of college. And uh, I tied that to, you know, my time spent there in Boulder, but it was fun. You know, I had never run indoor in high school. I had never trained year round. I was always, you know, it was always, you know, small town. You grew up in one. So it was football and it was basketball and then it was track, you know, and uh, when I got to Boulder, you know, that all that changed for me. And um, I saw a whole new world. Um, but I think I also appreciated, you know, just running more as a sport. I, I really enjoyed getting out and running and um, it was hard, but, you know, I think uh, what I learned from it benefited me down for the next 40 years as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I mean, just so many different styles of, of mm -hmm. how to do it, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you talked about, you know, having this, you know, this idea of how, you know, it can work and helping you, you know, with within your coaching, you know, at the same time, you, you know, you've, you've talked about all these changes. We talked about, you know, from your own coaching to now, you know, running on the cinder to now, you know, pretty much every high school has a all weather or at least mm -hmm. if, if it's not, you know, just plain dirt, I guess. Um, you know, what are some of the things you've noticed in, in these 40 years of coaching that has kind of changed? you know, within the, within coaching or within the, the kids? Well, I think with athletes, you see more year round athletes. Um, I think a lot, well, and then when I first started coaching, um, you know, soccer didn't play as big a role. Um, you generally, it was generally, you know, it was the fall sports, it was the winter sports and there was no club and it was spring sports. You know, and when I was at Cibola, I had pretty big teams. Uh, we had 3,000 kids in the high school, and we were pretty powerful. And, you know, Kenny Henry was a boys coach, and I was a girls coach. And uh, we had the best teams in Albuquerque. And those kids came out for track, and they were committed to track. And as I, as I transitioned to Albuquerque High, I had to really learn how to work with the, 
a girl who might play club soccer or a kid who had other commitments um, or a job. And I, I just think there was just different schools, you know, different, you know, just different communities. And I'm, I'm sure at Cibola now they have to deal with the club soccer, but it just wasn't a big issue when Kenny and I were at Cibola. We were just so into track and we were really a track school and we were dominating. We were winning the Metro titles and the state titles. And, um, you know, if you wanted to be on our track team, you had to be there every day. And, and now I see, you know, you know, and I probably learned a little bit of this from coach Ciccarello. I, I saw him have some really good soccer players and how he juggled his soccer players you know, at first I t would tell a kid, well, if you want to go to club soccer, I'm not going to let you be on my track team. So I had to learn how to change and adapt um, and then build a schedule around, build a schedule around their club schedule. Then hopefully that, you know, as, and I would try to say, hey, as we and as we get towards district and state, can you can you leave that stuff behind and can you taper for us? Because a couple of times I would we would be tapering a kid and they'd go off to their soccer practice and run around for two hours. And we'd be like, well, why are we tapering if you're practicing? So. I think coaches now have to have more to juggle. I, I think um, you got kids who have a lot of private coaches now, the year round, you got the year round athletes who have a lot of private coaches. So, you know, they're not thoroughly convinced, you know what you're doing. Um, then you got the kid who's a really talented athlete who might be playing club soccer um, or might be in club gymnastics. Um, and then you got the athlete, um, you know, who just, like it was in the beginning he just comes out and wants to be part of a track team so you, you know there's just lots of differences now uh i think it's tougher today than it was 40 years ago you know convincing them to buy in a little bit more uh but i i think the uh, year-round there's more year-round track athletes and that can be good and bad because those kids they're they're fast and they're good but you know they also there's more injuries that you have to handle um you also have to deal with you know their club training and who's going to dictate what happens during the course of the season, you or the club coach, um, what are you willing to give and not give? And, and, you know, and so that's, that's tough. There's just a lot of different aspects to coaching now that, that, you know, when I first started coaching, if a kid came out on day one, I generally had him at, you know, they weren't going to miss practice. If they did, we would, you know, they weren't going to be on the team, but now you'll have a kid who say, Oh, I can only come on Tuesdays, Thursdays because I'm on a club soccer. And you know what that's like. I'm sure you have some of that at your school. So that, that's been a big change. Um, you know, that, that's been a big change. Yeah. That's one that, you know, I always, you know, the, some of the other coaches I've talked to and stuff and they, they basically say the same thing as you, you, you have to work around it because I mean, otherwise you're not really going to fill the competitive team. If you, if you don't have those, those. Yeah, I kind of learned. Yeah. I learned that. Like I said, at, Seabull, I never, if you were on a club soccer team, I wished you well and you went on your merry way, but I also had 130 girls on my team. Wow. Um, so you didn't, you didn't have to deal with the club athlete, but when I got to Alberta High, my first year there, I had 60 girls and I thought that was pretty good. And after that, I, I used to average between 50 and 55, but I also had a lot of club soccer kids. They wanted to run track and I had to learn, you know, Beth Wright ran for me and she ran cross country and track at Syracuse. And mm -hmm. I remember, yeah, in 2011, she won the mile 800 for us. And, um, she eventually left soccer, but when she was a freshman, she didn't run for us. And I knew she was pretty good because I had seen her run the mile in PE. So I went to her and said, you got to think about running track. So her sophomore year, she ran the four by four at state. And that was it. And then her junior year, um, 
she was struggling in soccer and came to talk to me and she started spending more time in track in her, in her senior year she never ran cross country she would just come to track because she was on the soccer team in her senior year i kind of convinced her to give up soccer she, she wasn't playing and she came over to cross country with us at albuquerque high and ran, ran track and you know she had a brilliant career for us won three state titles uh, went to syracuse had a really good career at syracuse but that was an example of a kid that if i hadn't worked with her um she she might not have she might not have stayed with us she would have probably gone to soccer you know elisa fishbine elisa meadows fishbine um elisa came to us as a, as a freshman and um you know she was very talented you know Sophomore year, she won the state championship in the 800, but I had to work around her soccer schedule. Junior year, she had another great year. She got second in the mile and just had a fantastic season for us. Um, her senior year, she gave up soccer and devoted her whole time to running. And, you know, we set the state record in the medley, and now she's running at the University of Colorado, and she ran in the NCAA regionals this year in the steeplechase. So those are two two athletes that I think of, you know, that I had to be really patient with and that I had to work with and they were great kids. So it was easy. And they'd say, Hey, I got to go to soccer practice on these two days. And I'd have to let them go. And, um, not sure I could have done that back in 1981 or 82, but I had to learn how to change. And, you know, I think, I think, um, that's what you have to do now in this day and age. And, and both those kids eventually went to become full-time track athletes, but it wasn't that way in the beginning. And I, and I'm sure every coach has their soccer stories, you know, or their gymnastic story. I had a great hurdler who was a gymnast and, you know, Candace eventually gave up being a gymnast to concentrate on her hurdles. And she would have been a state. She tripped on her last hurdle for me at, at Cibola, you know, and uh, I think it was an Oh two or Oh one. And uh, she got second. Um, but she was another one who was a full-time gymnast. And then she finally, you know, she ended up being a great triple jumper for us, but I had to be patient with her a little bit. But yeah, coaches have to, I think she was probably the first one that I realized that, you know, sometimes you got to work with kids. And because uh, at first it was like they, a kid would come up to me and they'd say, Hey, I got to go to soccer practice. I'd say, See you, bye. You know, I, I wish them well. And that was it. But as I got older, I, I didn't do that anymore. So yeah, I think that's probably why I was able to stay in it 40 years. Is I, you got to learn how to change with the times and you got to roll with things differently. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like you said, I mean, it's it's completely different and you have to adapt because before, you know, like you talked about, I mean, you'd have athletes who was just, they went from the, the fall to the winter to the spring sport and now it's, you know, they're doing soccer year round or they're doing, you know, maybe even football conditioning year round or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is and they're not looking at, at necessarily those those other sports. Did you have that problem, you know, with your with your basketball girls trying to get them to come out for? No, I, I, I think that's what made us successful. Um, it's a lot of my basketball. I used to tell my basketball players, try to uh, try to play another sport because basketball can be it can be rough. You know, my best player this year, Leilani Love, she she was she's going to be a division one player. She ran track. Um, most of my really good, you know, Shauna Snyder, who was a Gatorade uh, player of the year for me in 03, went to Providence in basketball. She played softball. I encouraged them all to play one sport. My first player of the year, Hazel Toll, who played basketball at Texas Tech, she ran track for me. Um, just most of those kids, I encouraged them just to get away from something year-round. I just think year-round can be a little little tough mentally on kids, you know. Um, so I would encourage them to get a 
get a small break from that. And if a kid is running track year round or even distance running year round, we, we try to get them to take time off. You know, uh, I think that's important. Uh, you know, most of my kids that have gone on running college, they always tell me, you know, when they have their, their downtime, you know, where they don't do any running at all. And I think that's important. And I think parents who push their kids and don't let them take time off, I think that's when you start seeing the injuries and the mental burnout. I see so much of that now. I, I think that's probably a, one of the biggest changes I've seen in the 40 years is the is the burnout factor. You know, you'll see kids just walk away from it because they've been pushed. You know, they were running age group track and they were age group cross country. And then now you can go run an indoor, then you can get to outdoor. By the time they get to high school, these kids are running, you know, pretty hard. And sometimes they've just, that's it. They've had enough and they walk away. Whereas in the past years, you know, they, high school was the first time they were ever introduced to track. So there's goods and there's pros and cons of, you know, of, of what happens today. I think the pro that those kids are a little bit, you know, they come to us a little bit more polished and they're ready to run at an earlier age. But, but on the out, downside of that, I see a lot of kids walk away just because they've been running, they've been pushed too hard. And you also see a lot of injuries today that you didn't see 40 years ago, a lot of stress related injuries. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You'll see an age group kid with a stress fracture. And I, I just find that unbelievable. So, um, but it's, it's out there and that's just the way it goes. Right. No, it's, it's hard. I think, you know, a lot of coaches, it really is about, you know, trying to develop kid over, you know, healthy over four years and, and then, you know, have them ready for that, for that next level. Uh, but, you know, when they're coming in, you know, at, at X point, and they've already been doing this for, you know, five, six years, it can be, like you said, it's they're they can already be kind of drained and tired of it. And, and I've seen it with, you know, some of the soccer players we've gotten. And, and part of the reason we've gotten them is because they've been doing soccer since, you know, they were five or six. And now after 10 years already of doing soccer, they're just ready for something oh. different. Yeah, I, I think you see, we get so many soccer kids who either got cut or they got burned out and they're phenomenal track kids, you know, and I've seen kids come out for track and do really well and then they're refreshed and then they go back to soccer, which is good. So I, I think track is, is, I think one of the reasons track suffered this year during the pandemic and our numbers were down is that it's a sport that gets, we get kids from football and wrestling and soccer and basketball. And because everything overlapped and we tried to squeeze 22 sports into 16 weeks, that didn't happen. And it really hurt our numbers this year in New Mexico and track and field. So that was tough. That was yeah. tough to see small teams and, you know, the small meets. And, you know, it was these were truly the kids that loved to run. These were truly the kids that loved to run. No, you're right. It, it was it was uh, it was great that we had the season. It was great that we got, you know, a full season instead of a you know, a shorter season, but, but you're right. It was, it was hard to be at some of those, you know, quad meets where you're there with four teams and maybe two of them didn't even have a girls team other than, an, you know, two or three mm -hmm. girls. I mean, it was, it was hard to, uh, to see some of that. Uh, this was my smallest team ever in 40 years. I had 25 girls and it was my smallest team ever. It was hard. It was very hard. I'm used to being out there with 50 to 60 kids at Albuquerque High every year. And, uh, we, I, you know, we just it just didn't happen. I, two years ago or last year, we had a very good team. We were bringing back five girls who had medaled the year. We were fourth at the state meet two years ago. So we felt like last year that we had a really good team and that we could get a trophy. And, you know, we lost that season. So 
yeah, it's it's it was tough this year to come back. It was tough. I'm happy we got to come back. I hope track and field recovers from the pandemic as far as numbers, because I know there was some schools that were really hurting for numbers nationwide. It wasn't just in New Mexico. Right. So I, I hope we get our numbers back. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think and, you know, us over at Sandia, you know, for, for track, you know, felt the same, <laughs> the same way. We had finished second the year before. And, oh, yeah. and we're looking, you know, looking at why well, I, I felt like y'all were going to win the state title last year. Um, yeah. I really did. So, you know, we were tied. We tied Alma Gordo for fourth two years ago and we brought back five girls who got a, got a second or third place medal. And, um, didn't get to didn't get to showcase any of them the following year, so that was tough. Yeah, that was really really tough. It was, yeah, it was it was it was hard to to lose out on on that opportunity for for those kids that had you know put in that time and and obviously we you know there was reasons behind all of that, but it, it doesn't make it any easier to to no. make those kids not not have that opportunity. So, uh, you know, going back maybe on the maybe happier topic, <laughs> you know, you were able to coach both of your daughters. What was that experience like? Well, I coached Danae in basketball. I didn't really coach Nina in tennis. I was the athletic director, but I went to every match. Oh, I so... thought she had played basketball as well. No, no, Nina oh. never played basketball. She was, she went the other route. Danae played basketball, went to Yale. Nina played tennis, was going to Stanford. Very different personalities. Um, Nina didn't want anything to do with basketball. Never, she tried to play at middle school, and she came to me and said, Dad, oh. so she did march. So the only only deal we had was uh, she did play tennis. She, it was her only sport, and but she took time off. She was in the marching band in the fall, and uh, she had an extremely successful high school tennis career, um, just as Danae did in basketball, but... Oh, I just, I love being with my kids at school. I think that's what kept me in another, you know, when Danae graduated in 2011, I was, I was eligible, re eligible to retire in 2011, but I stayed on, you know, 10 more years and Nina graduated. So, um, they had, and they were the reason I left Cibola. I had a, I had a great situation at Cibola. They were going to Albuquerque high. My principal had left Cibola to go to Albuquerque high, Linda Sink, and she asked me to come with her. And so. I transitioned and it was a great move for me. It was great to change. I think change is good for everyone. And I got to be around both my daughters. So I highly recommend that if you get an opportunity to work in a school with your children, it's, it's a great, it's, it was great. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, yeah, I can't even really describe the feeling just to have your kids in the building. When Danae graduated in 2011, after she left, it was hard for a couple of years. I was used to, you know, riding to work with her and seeing her every day and being around her friends. And then Nina came along and, you know, same thing. You get around their circle of friends and, you know, you really get invested in the school and in what they what they do and all their activities. And when you work there, it's just really special. So, yeah, I, I think my my time from Albuquerque High from 2007 to 2021, it's, it was pretty special. That's, that's great. You know, I know a little bit, you know, what that's like. I, I teach at a elementary school and, um, all my kids have gone there and I've been able to, to see them and see who they hang out with and have that, Absolutely. have that interaction with their teachers and just, you know, just be, I mean, when you're, when you're a parent, you don't always get to see your kids on the playground and at school. And I mean, 
like you said, I mean, it's it's hard to describe being able to be it is. in school and see that. It is. And it, it was fun. It was just really fun. I, and, I, and I retired this year because Nina graduated. and I, I couldn't even imagine going back next fall without her being there. I didn't want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's I was going to ask you if that was the reason why you decided this, this um, was the time. Well, I retired. You know, I started, you know, I, I ran at Colorado. I had a great time. And then immediately after graduation, I started coaching. I mean, I was cross-country coach for four years track coach i did both boys and girls and i moved to albuquerque and there was no cross country opening um, by the way i love coaching cross country there was nothing more fun than cross country if i had to do it over again i might have held out for a cross country track job and not a basketball <laughs> when i got to Cibola, there was basketball and track and i didn't get to do cross country anymore and um so i mean i had a good career in basketball but i gotta tell you coaching cross country was when i look back on it those four years i was the head boy the girls cross country coach at broomfield high in colorado was it was a blast i had some really good runners um there was just something about coaching cross country you know the the and i was young then so i could run with them so i got to do the miles with them and then you know this the workouts at the park we were right we our school was right next to a park it was called midway park in broomfield and I, I just, you know, doing the interval work there with them and then doing the distance runs on the different trails around, you know, Boulder County. Uh, it was it was amazing to be a cross country coach and they had very good high school cross country in Colorado. We were very successful. I was really lucky. We won the Skyline League my last two years there. Uh, I won three years in a row with the girls and I won my last two years with the boys. But when we won the boys title and we went to the state meet, it was the first time that the boys had ever gone to state there. So that was really cool. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was cross country and, and fall was always the best weather. You didn't have wind, you didn't have rain. It was just beautiful. It got a little cold at the end, but you know, cross country and track, you deal with the elements, you know, in Colorado, we dealt with the spring snowstorms in New Mexico. You deal with the cold, the wind. I mean, some of the coldest nights as an athletic director were not football games. It was track meets a community in oh, the end yeah. of March and April. Um, I can remember running the four by four at Metro one year and it was so cold. The only people left were the, the girls running and the guys running, you know, it was freezing cold. So I get down in the high thirties, low forties sometimes. So that's, that was, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. But, um, yeah, coaching, you know, I, and I had, so I started in the fall of 81 and we're in the spring of 21 and I just, I was just ready for it. I'm just ready to take a break. I have not ruled out ever coming back to be a coach again. Um, or, or being an athletic director again, or working in a school again. I got my principal's license or coming back and being a principal, but I was just, this last year was really hard. And I was just ready to, I was ready to stop. I'm ready to stop for a while and just, you know, I, I want to do a little bit of running on my own. Um, I, that really suffered, you know, and I think during the pandemic, I was able to spend more time doing that. And it made me realize that, Hey, I still have a little bit of running left in me. I want to see if I can, get in one more marathon or one more half marathon and uh, I'm still pretty healthy. So, you know, that was, I, you can't do that when you work full time at a school, it's hard to get your miles in and, and get out there and run. So do a little cross training. And I don't know. I, I just, I was ready. You just, you'll know when you get to be that age, you're going to know when it's time and all the signals were there. Um, it, it was, you just know. You know, and, and I always told myself that I, w I was going to leave a school before somebody asked me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think had I not been athletic director, I might have been able to last a little bit longer. But 
being athletic director is a pretty stressful job. And I was going to ask you about that. I do want to point out it, it is, uh, you know, I've heard it multiple times. And one of my first interviews, I think is the fourth one, I, I interviewed Gary Sanchez. You know, oh, Gary's great. Coach. Yeah. Track, track legend. Oh, Gary and I are real good friends. Yeah, so absolutely. He, 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 I don't know if you knew this, but for what, 50 years, Highland only had what, for like 55 years, Highland only had two track coaches, Gary yeah. Sanchez and Henry Sanchez. So, yeah. Yeah, Gary's a legend. He was, I watched Gary's teams. I competed against Gary's teams. Um, that guy, that guy did everything and he did it well. And he was a very, one thing I, I went and watched Highland practice a couple of times, very hands-on coach. I mean, one minute Gary could be teaching the hurdles next minute. He was one of those guys that could go teach the discus and the shot put as well as teach the, as they as you know as well as the hurdles or the or the, or you know he could talk to a distance runner because he was a cross-country coach so i i remember when i graduated uh from college and um my first job i i just worked with the runners the sprinters and the distance runners and i took all the runners and um the athletic director was a track guy he came to me and he says hey he says don't ignore those field events, he said, and, and, and try to become knowledgeable about the field events. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll serve you well down the road. And then I got to Cibola. My first job at Broomfield, I had lots of support. I was a head boys and girls track coach, and I had five assistants. So, you know, I had a distance coach. I had a hurdle coach. I had a pole wall coach. I had a throwing coach. I basically oversaw two programs, and I, you know, I stayed with, you know, I went, I moved, my, I moved around. But when I got to Cibola, I only had one assistant coach. So I had to work with the shot putters. I had to work with the discus stores. I had to work with the, you know, with the jumpers. That's just, and, and I think when I see Gary, Gary was the best at doing that. I mean, he, and not only did he just work with them, he was extremely knowledgeable. You stand next to Gary at a, at a track meet and you talk to him about the discus or the shot. He, he understands the techniques of all those events. So, uh, yes, Gary's someone that I, I learned a lot from. Oh yeah, I, I, like you said, he is a he's a wealth of knowledge, and yes. he's he said the exact same thing you did, you know, because I asked him how did how did you know it was time, and he said you'll you'll know you'll <laughs> you'll know yeah. it's time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I walked away from a. We're going to be very good in basketball next year, and I'm sure in track we'll get our kids back, and uh, we have a beautiful facility. But you just know, you know, you're always going to have good teams coming back, so. Yeah, I told Gary we joked around about. It. I said I feel like, I feel like I know more about the sports I'm coaching now than ever before, and I'm not coaching anymore. <laughs> but you you need that energy to be out there and to be around kids. Kids keep you young, and um, you know I I think sometimes, you know you can you can get away from the day to day stuff. And as athletic director, and the one thing that coaching did was it kept me it kind of kept me involved with kids, and it kept me working with kids and you know i had i still had that excitement of coaching a game and being in a meet and um so yeah you know i, I got admired coach chicarello i mean he was in his late 70s he's still doing it very well you know right. um you know he retired from teaching a while ago and uh i remember i asked him i said what made you realize you retired retired you know, time to retire from teaching and he said i drove to school one day and i couldn't get out of the car <laughs> <laughs> So I drove over to the city center and I retired. I had to laugh. <laughs> I thought that was a great story. But you know, he stayed coaching and he's he's 
you know, he's done a great job. And I look at him and I was just like, I would have to go another 16 or 17 years just to catch up to that guy, you know? Yeah. And I, I find it incredible that he just is, the man is just a, and then, you know, so I, yeah, I've worked with, I worked around Gary and Chicarello, Jim Chicarello. Those are, those are some legends, man, of, of high school track in Albuquerque. Two of the best. No, absolutely. Two of the best. I was so happy to be able to, to talk with them on here. And they're just, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've, they, they've done it for a long time. Chicarello's yeah. still doing it. I mean, and, and I mean, they could step in anywhere and, you know, just be an asset to any program. I, and, you know, I was fortunate. Kenny Henry, when I was the girls coach at Cibola, we hired, we were really struggling on the boys' side. So I coached the boys one year and we won district and did well, but I did both and it was just too much. And the district did, they really frowned on that. They didn't encourage it. I think Gary did it at Highland a couple of years. And, and so we went out and Cibola hired Kenny to be the boys coach at Cibola. And I got to work alongside Kenny Henry for, you know, four years and see him grow and develop as one of the, I mean, you talk about all time. Great. That guy can get people off the track. Um, yeah. I'll never forget his first year at Cibola. He was taking nine kids to the state meet. He was trying to win the state meet. He came and asked me some questions. I said, are you trying to win the state meet? And he goes, yeah. And of course, it, it, it kind of blew up on him. They got tired. And uh, he said, ah, at the end, he said, ah, I should have probably taken your advice, coach. But you know what? I was going for it. And, you know, that's kind of the, his, that was his philosophy, you know, and within within four years, he won a title there at Cibola in track, you know, and it, it was amazing. And he was he was a cross country coach. So when, you know, when I, and when he got there, we were really doing well on the girls side. So I think it was, you know, he saw, he saw that we had like a hundred girls out and he's like, I'm going to do better than that. And he did, he went out and got like 160 guys out, you know, you know, he, he didn't have our success the first couple of years. I mean, we were really, I remember when we went to Clovis, we won the district meet there. We were in a really tough district with Clovis. Sandia was in it. It was, it was real Rancho was in it and it was Clovis and uh, Hobbs. It was Clovis Hobbs, Carlsbad, Sandia, Albuquerque High. And there was one more team. I can't remember who it was. And uh, Kenny got second in that meet. And it was his first or second year. And I thought, this guy ain't going to get second too many more times. And, you know, we won it. And I said, oh, just be patient. You'll do well. But that guy, man, within two or three years, he had 150 guys out there. You know, I mean, there was track practice was crowded. You, know, <laughs> you figured I had 100 and he had 150, 160 you, you have never seen anything like 250 kids at track practice. You know, we really had to be organized and, but he took my distance runners. He would coach my distance runners. So after we warmed up, the distance runners would go with Kenny and I, I never really had to worry about that. So I sort of watched his evolution, you know, as a great track coach. So, um, and then I came to Albuquerque high and then he really took off at Cibola. I think he won three titles there and then he went to Cleveland and obviously, Right, you know the co the combination of all those great athletes and Kenny Henry. That's a that's almost an unbeatable machine right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, and on the boys' track side, was it four times in a row state champions? Yeah, yeah. I think his dad won seven at La Cueva. So, um, Kenny does it right, man. He works hard. He gets good assistance. Uh, he gets invested. Um, he's knowledgeable about everything, and he's not just a distance coach. That guy could he can talk to you about pretty much every single event. So. Right. Yeah, watching him, being able to work alongside him was, was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. And the year I left Cibola, the next year they lost the state track meet by a half a point. And that was really, that was pretty much my team. We, I think, I think you know, that was hard to walk away from that. They were very good for a couple of years. And then, you know, they haven't really been the, they've struggled a little bit on the girls' side. But, right. you know, it was, we had it going. Kenny and I had it going there. <laughs>
what was it like having to you 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 hit on it a couple of times but managing both being an athletic director and a coach um when you go to practice you don't you don't answer your phone and you don't um bring your ad business to practice so a lot of times i'd be out there and they didn't really bother me outside when i was on track but i'd be in basketball practice and another coach from another sport would want to talk to me they quickly realized that that two hours i was in basketball practice was that wasn't going to happen and the same thing for that two hours in track practice that wasn't going to happen either so um you know the other thing too i can still kind of relate to some of their issues and some of their problems you know uh, they, I think sometimes ADs get a little bit removed from, from the day-to-day tasks of coaching. And I never, that never happened to me because I was right there with them. So, you know, I think they respected that. Um, it was easy in the fall cause I didn't coach anything in the fall. I always used to fall was a piece of cake cause I wasn't coaching. Then the winter hit, you know, and I still had, and then I was, I stayed visible at there just because I was the basketball coach. I mean, I wasn't going to go to see boys play and, I went to the swim meets and the wrestling matches and the cheer and dance competitions because those are winter sports. I made sure I was extremely visible at those events. Um, the hardest for me to get to were the baseball and softball games because if they were a doubleheader on a Saturday, uh, so I would make sure that when they had their Tuesday, Thursday games, especially early in the year, they played a lot of Tuesday, Thursday games. I made sure I went to those after track practice um, because that was, those were probably the two teams that I didn't see as much as I saw everybody else was baseball and softball because it coincided, you know, it, it was with track, but I, I went to their games. I just didn't go to as many as I did with the other sports. And obviously I saw tennis quite a bit because my daughter played. Right. <laughs> and that makes sense. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, as an AD kind of looking at coaches, knowing that you know during those times you were going to be a little bit more busy yourself it, it kind of informed you know making sure i mean you always want to find a coach that you can trust but knowing especially that you were going to be busy you really had to have that trust yeah who you were hiring yeah we didn't i didn't have a lot of turnover in coaching and coaches at operate high you know we really you know we really tried to you know, we really tried to hire people that we thought were going to be invested in the school and the community. And because Albuquerque High is a special place and not that other schools aren't, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we have an alumni association. And so there's a lot of people that care, you know, we're right in the center of the city. We're by UNM. You know, we have a lot of the older neighborhoods in the, in the city. Um, a lot of kids who come there that their grandparents went to Albuquerque High, not just their mom and dad, but their grandparents and their great grandparents went to Albuquerque High. So, a lot of tradition there so the last thing you want to do is 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 mess up and i was always you know then the thing with the being an athletic director is you take the you take home the problems for 22 head coaches <laughs> so that was that's something that makes that job so tough um and my motto was i used to tell my coaches this was there's no such thing as a minor sport uh, to, to because to, to those kids and those coaches it's it's all major it's all big time it's you know football it's not just football it's cross country uh every time i had a new principal i used to tell him hey let's go to the cross country meet i had a couple of principals that didn't know what cross country was and hey let's go to the track meet today or hey let's get out to the tennis match i always made sure we were visible everywhere i thought that was real important That's, you know after being an aps for this long being a coach being athletic director what's something you would like to see, you know, maybe APS or, or even the NMAA do 
differently to improve, you know, maybe the sports uh, or the, or anything? I, I think APS, I think they put a, I think, um, you know, there's just so many schools, you know, they really put a limit on the number of our competitions. And I think it frustrates our coaches a little bit, whereas, you know, you know, a baseball coach can play 20 games, but you know, they get 18 or a basketball coach can play 26, but they get 24. I think there's a lot of frustration at those levels. Like, I kind of wish that we could play, you know, you know, APS used to let the track teams travel a little bit more often. And, and now it's once every three years. And I thought that was important to get our track kids out, just to see other, other track programs in the state and running other track meets outside of APS. Cause right now they see a lot of what's going on um, just in Albuquerque. And I thought that was important. So um, I think sometimes we get stuck just playing each other. And I think the budget constraints have made that happen even more in the last few years. When I first got to the city, we traveled a little bit more. We, we got to go to an out-of-town track meet every year when I first got here. Uh, so we got to run in Artesia and Alamogordo and Clovis and Hobbs, you know, and Farmington. And I thought that um, all that was really important. So um, we don't do that anymore. You know, we run a community stadium every week, and sometimes we run the same teams all year. And I feel like I feel like that's stagnated us a little bit. Uh, but again, I, I, I'm not aware. I mean, I don't know how bad the budget constraints are up there. Um, I think it's in all sports. So, and you know, when you have 13 schools in your district, you can get away with doing that. So, but I don't think it's just fun for the kids or the student athletes. Right. No, I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said. I mean, they get to you know, see some people and, and they make friends with some of their competitors a little bit more easily, but at the same time, like we talked about earlier, I mean, those all day track meets when you'd be, you know, you'd be on the bus. I mean, you talk about team building. That is oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of years ago, we took our girls to Artesia and uh, they just really enjoyed running against different people, too. It was it was fun. You know, right now, you know, we run against the same people week in and week out. And, you know, there's nothing special about Metro anymore because we run against the same teams for eight, nine weeks. Right. Whereas when I first got here, that wasn't the case. Um, so that's changed the most, you know. So when I first got to Albuquerque, you were allowed one out-of-town track meet every year, every school. And that, I mean, we can't do that now. Now you're on a, a rotation where you go every third or fourth year. And now after this pandemic, I, I don't know if they'll even bring that back because we didn't do any of that this year. So right. Right. hopefully they'll let you still do that, you know. What's, uh, you know, again, you've been doing this for a long time. If you could uh, advise, you know, a new coach or a young coach, you know, just getting started, what would you tell them? Mm, get to know your school community. Um, you know, if you're a contract coach, I think it's a little harder because uh, you come, you show up to the track. They see you as the coach and then they see you leave as a coach. I think it's a little easier if you're a teacher in the building because they see you in a different role. Um, but I, I would say, you know, Try to get to know your administration and it's hard when you're in a smaller sport because they might not be as interested in you know get to meet them see what their goals are uh work hard show up every day be on time i think i think that's really hard for this generation is to be on time it's just something that just you know you're going to start practice at 245 then you need to start at 245 not at 305. Um, i think kids really need structure as and even though it's track, I, I think you can, people, sometimes people think, oh, you know, you can have the distance runners over here and the shot putters over here and the ball. I always brought my kids together at the beginning of practice. You know, we call roll every day. We, 
we did our dynamic warm-up together and everybody went through it and then we broke up into our groups and um, i think if you're going to coach track you still have to build that team and they still have to understand that it's not just the person running the hundred or the person throwing the shot or the person vaulting or high jumping you know you're still you're still one team and there and you have to build that team concept and you know i started you know i felt like i started doing that at an early age and you know and that's what makes you know people say well cleveland wins because you know they got more kids well they win because kenny builds the team concept those kids understand you watch them cheering for each other at their field events and you watch those kids you know and, and that's something that i tried to build as well you know every year we got to the district meet we knew we had a chance to win you know we passed out a handout every monday with who scored and who are the team's leading scorers and we tried to highlight you know if you in that way it recognizes the kids that are in the you know off they're not on the track they might be throwing the jab or the shot or the disc so yeah we we always tried to highlight those kids so yeah as, as a track coach you, you have you can do so many things to bring your team together but the biggest the biggest is that we were punctual with the way we started every day we expected kids to be at practice you know we held them accountable you got to hold them accountable you can't just let them come and go as they please you know, we don't let them do that in basketball. And I know so many track coaches that are not that way. They're, you know, they if a kid shows up for practice, it's great. If they don't, they don't really worry about it. We did. You know, we made sure they were accountable. There was no difference between basketball and track practice. You had to be there. And then if you obviously, if you were in, a, in club soccer, we would we would sit down with each individual kid and their parents. Say, okay, what's your schedule going to look like? And then what, what are we going to get back in return? Um, when we decide that we got to start tapering for Metro district state, uh, we were going to ask you to kind of slow down on the soccer. So you just have to, you have to know your team, your community, um, got to build some camaraderie amongst your team and you got to get kids to come out. You know, you got to have four year seniors to be successful. You got to have kids who've been in your program for three or four years, you know, and I think over time that's, you know, it's, it's, that really is beneficial. You know, you get you get kids that go through your program. If you have, like last year, we had we would have had twelve seniors that went through our track program for four years. That's wow. That means that means you have a good program. You know, um, this year we only had five, but the pandemic had a lot to do with that because we lost some kids. Actually, we had six that went through our program for four years. Um, and then we had one who was injured who couldn't run, but you know we were expecting about twelve or thirteen, and we didn't get that this year, and it hurt us. But um yeah those, those are all keep kids out keep kids happy um you got to make sure you don't just punish them every day at practice with workouts you gotta there has to be sort of a hard easy philosophy and you got to make them want to be there at practice because if you know if you're sending a kid home exhausted and you're just killing them every single day you might have been able to do that 40 or 50 years ago but you can't do that today um i don't even know if you could have done it 40 or 50 years ago i i felt I felt like we worked really hard when I was in high school and there was no rest days, you know, until we got towards the end of the year. But, you know, I think the smarter coaches now know that, you know, to make it a little bit, you know, it's hard. Track is a hard sport. How do you make track fun? I once listened to a guy at a clinic talk about that. How do you make it fun? You know, what do you do? What are some of the things you can work on today that makes track a little bit more fun? And I think coaches have to be creative. You just can't go out there and pound them every single day. That's not going to work anymore. No. And I think that's great advice. And, you know, you, you talked about, again, getting to know the community. And I think, like you said, you know, having your daughters there and being at the school where they were at mm -hmm. definitely helped you be a part of that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we put up track record boards at Cibola at Albury High. We made made sure we were on Instagram and Twitter, and you know, we give those kids just as much recognition as we give the football kids or the basketball kids. You know, um, that's important. So, you know, you celebrate a. We had a state champion hurdler this week. We we celebrated him as much as even though it was in June, we made sure he got quite a bit of recognition in our community. So, that was important. Yeah, you talked to you told me before you got on that you had uh, turned in your your work computer today. Yeah, I did. I had my keys this morning. <laughs> How did that feel? How did that feel? You know, it hasn't really hit me yet because I feel like it's summer right now, and it's like when you leave on summer break. I think it's probably going to hit me August second when the football practice starts, and I'm not the athletic director, and then August ninth, soccer and cross country and cheer and volleyball all start and i'm not around i think that's when it's going to hit me that i'm not the athletic director right now i feel like i'm on summer vacation and i just got off and i'm i'm ready for it i'm ready i'm ready for it it was it was weird cleaning out my office there was a lot of things i i you know just filing stuff and bringing it home and emptying out all the drawers and file cabinets and just cleaning out some storage rooms and picking up the track uniforms um yeah that part was a little sad but you know i just got to keep moving forward. I try not to, I've left two other high schools before. Um, it's just a process, you know, um, I know it's going to take a while. I know when I left Colorado and I went to Cibola, when I left Broomfield, it, it took me until I finally got immersed at Cibola in that first year, I finally forgot about Colorado. But when I moved, I was really sad. And I, I knew the athletes I left behind and I wasn't sure I wanted to come to New Mexico, come back to New Mexico. And then, but once I got started at Cibola, I forgot about the, I forgot about they became just distant memories and pleasant memories and then when i left cibola it was really hard when i came to albuquerque high because i missed cibola but once i immersed myself in the albuquerque high um i didn't miss the, that situation anymore and now that i'm at albuquerque high um obviously i'm gonna have to immerse myself in something else but <laughs> i think this one will take a little bit longer um you know because my daughters went there and i and i live in the albuquerque high attendance zone so i see lots of people and you know, so yeah, it's going to be hard. I, I I know it's going to be hard. I probably won't go to a lot of events next year. So, but it wasn't it wasn't hard turning in my keys and computer. I felt like I was going on summer break today. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready to leave. I've been going to work every day during the pandemic. I went every day. Um, sat in an empty school building with the principal and the other assistant principals and the secretaries, and it was just a long, bizarre year. You yeah. know. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, hearing you talk about about all of this and and your and your passion for it, I have a feeling that you're probably not going to stay away too long. <laughs> but, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but that can always change. And so, you know what? You know, when people think about Doug Dormy and and kind of the history of New Mexico running and basketball. You know, what do you want people to think about? Um, you know, I didn't win a ton of state championships, but I, I always felt like we had competitive teams. We always had kids who performed at the next level. I think I ended up with, I think Danae has my list. I think I ended up with exactly 20 Division One basketball and track players. So, you know, you had an impact. Um, you know, you had an impact. That's, I had uh, two Gatorade players of the year. I had a, I had... You know, I had a girl, Tressie Richardson, who won 10 gold medals at the state track meet. You know, I had lots of kids that ran at UNM, 
um, for both Matt Henry and Joe Franklin that have done very well. Uh, I had lots of kids that ran, you know, track around the country, you know. So I was always proud of the kids that the, and the kids that went to the D2 and D3 schools. Man, I don't know. Danae and I are trying to put a list together. I think we were at 65 on those kids. Uh, wow. So, I mean, I almost had 100 kids that, that participated in basketball and track, you know, after high school. So you, you know that you made an impact in their lives because most of them have acknowledged that. And, you know, they, they're, some of them are my friends on social media and they're always talking to me. You just hope that, you know, when kids look back and they were in your program that they, they had a positive experience. And then when you see them, they can say, hey, I had a positive experience in your program. It was a lot of fun. I run into I run into kids all the time. I mean, I run into people all the time and they'll say, Oh, I played for you in 1988 or I played for you in 1994. And you remember some and some of you, you're a little strange to remember, but I ask them, well, I hope you had fun. And, and, uh, I ran into somebody who said, I didn't, I, I ran into somebody just last week, just last week at a, and she said, you know, you came to Siebel and I didn't play basketball my senior year. And uh, we talked about why she didn't play and, then I bumped into somebody who was in my C team basketball program and in like 1995 and they said, Oh yeah, we, I had a great time playing, but I wasn't very talented. So I, I gave it up. So you just hope that when they were in your program, that it was a, something that was positive and that it was, you know, that, you know, they were treated right and they had fun and they were competitive. That's cause that's what it's all about. You know, that, yeah, that's really what it's all about. I agree, coach. That's great. You know, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> and so I might well, have to have you on again at some point. Yeah. Well, running running is always – and then running in, in general has been a passion of mine. I, I enjoy running 5Ks and, you know, um, you hope that you instill that in your track athletes that they stay healthy and, and your basketball right. players. You know, if they, I think they saw me working out and running in 5Ks and they always – I think, I think, you know, modeling that behavior, I think that was always positive, you know, because I would tell them that, like, hey, in, in basketball, like over Thanksgiving and Christmas, I would run to the gym from my house. It was right at two miles. And I would run up when all of them were parked outside the gym and it would be freezing cold. And they'd see me running from a distance up to the gym. And I, I just think they knew that, hey, you know what, if he can do that, then when we get out on the court, then we, we got to give him everything. Because so I always tried to model that behavior to them as, hey, you know what? working out is important and taking care of yourself is important. So uh, absolutely. I love, uh, I love running. <laughs> I, I can, I, I mean, like I said, I, I can hear it in your voice. That's why I, I wonder how long you'll, you'll stay out of it <laughs> and then find a, a assisting cross country or volunteer cross country. Job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I had to do it again, I would have coached cross country longer. That was the most, <laughs> Of the th of the three sports that I coached, I coached cross country, basketball, and track. That was as as athletic director. I filled in on many sports when somebody couldn't show up. Though I I my swim coach had to leave leave town in an emergency. I had to be the head swim coach one day. I had to be the head boys tennis coach one day. Um, it, it was funny. I filled in on a lot of different sports. So, <laughs> um, it was good. That was the fun part. Being an AD was fun too. There were some fun times. Uh, going to see the kids play was always fun and they always appreciated that you were there. I got to tell you, kids love to see their coaches and their teachers in the stands. They love that. I, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great place to wrap up. I, that was a, I mean, that was 
I'm having a lot of fun talking to you, but <laughs> oh, okay. But I think this will this will be a good place to wrap up, and I can't wait to hear, uh, you know what, what you end up signing up for if it's a half marathon or a marathon, oh. and, and seeing what those what those legs can still do. I'm gonna go for a half marathon first, so I'm gonna give myself about five or six months, and I gotta find a warm weather site at low altitude. I don't think I'm gonna do it at altitude. So uh, there's a there was a there was a downhill half from uh, Georgetown, Colorado, to uh, that started in Georgetown. And I always wanted to run that one because it's it's the the it tends to go downhill a little bit. My friend said, "Hey, you can get a good time there." So if Ooh. I do run at altitude, I'm running downhill. There you go. <laughs> 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 but I'm not gonna run too many at altitude anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I got I got one more question for you. Sure. How I end sure. the podcast every time. Um, you know, what are you listening to to get you pumped and going and ready for the day? What do I listen to? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I've I've been pretty busy. I I listen to more podcasts um, when when like you said when we were in the pandemic. I um, I've listened to yours a few times. I, I listen to Danae's every week just because, you know, Danae has introduced me to so many different podcasts. So it just depends on what she's recommended for the week. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm a huge football fan. Um, I love football season. I love Saturdays and Sundays in the fall. And I listen to, I, I think Paul Feinbaum is, is he, he tends to focus a lot on the SEC, but I love his podcast. I listen to Paul Feinbaum during the football season. Um, Listen to Bill Simmons a lot during the NBA season. So, you know, being a basketball coach, I'm obviously a basketball fan. Um, I don't have as much time to listen to to those, but I will now. So I'm sure that I'll have a, a daily daily schedule of what I'm going to listen to. But uh, I'll let you know right now. I, I, I'm, you know, I watch the Olympic trials. I've been to three Olympic trials. And those are things that I missed because I'm an AD and a coach. Uh, then has been with me twice to the Olympic trials. We went when they were, wow. and I went, I went to one and, you know, in Los Angeles, I went to, I went to two and they were both in Sacramento. Um, had a great time at the Olympic trials. I was supposed to go to new Orleans that year when Dan O'Brien didn't make it. And I wasn't able to get out there. So I'll, I've been to several, my dad took me to the NCAA track meet when I was a sophomore in high school. I've been to several, I took Danae with me when we went to, we went to LSU and watched the NCAA track meet. I've been to several NCAA championships. Um, so I, I'll probably do more of that. You know, I, you know, I, I was supposed to go to the indoor meet here two years ago when the pandemic hit, I had really good, I went to the one they had here. I've only been to one indoor nationals. That was when it was in Albuquerque. So I was really sad when they canceled that indoor meet because I was, I was going to be front and center right there. Um, so yeah, I'll probably, I'll go to more of those types of things. You know, I've, I, I want to go to the worlds when they're in Eugene. Um, so yeah, I, I will definitely go to more, you know, I got a few kids that are running, you know, right now, you know, college and I, I, I probably go, I always tell kids, if you play for me and you go to college, I'll go watch you play once. So I need to, I, there's about four kids I need to go see play and run. That's, uh, that's a great deal. That's awesome. Uh, you know, like I said, this was, this was a lot of fun, Coach. I feel like I get a. I mean, I could, <laughs> we could continue this conversation, but, <laughs> but you know, I, um, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you taking the time and talking, and you know, going through the old school cinder tracks to. Oh, you know, oh yeah. 
into retirement. So, um, you know, en- enjoy these, uh, these next few months and I will. And, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, just, you know, I, I, I just, you know, want to tell people to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, if you can't run, then get out there and walk or, you know, ride your bike. But there's just so much we can do and find a way to get away from your stressful life. And I went, I, it was great this morning. I did, you know, I, I try to run three days a week. If I'm feeling really super good, I'll run four days a week. But as I've gotten older, I've learned that I can't run seven days a week. And so I run three for sure every week. So today was one of my running days. I was really good to get out. And I ran this morning. And, you know, it was a weird feeling because I didn't have to rush to get back to work or anything. All I had to do was turn in my keys on my computer. So um, it'll be interesting to see how my training goes now that I don't have the pressure of work or I have to shorten my runs. I got to hurry and get to work in the morning. And now I'm going to have a little bit more time and I'll be able to pick my pick my spots a little bit better and vary my running program. So I'm excited about that. That I am excited about. I need to lose a little bit of weight to get. I was running some pretty good 5Ks a couple of years ago, and then uh, I was starting to bring my times down a little bit. And then the pandemic came, and man, I miss I miss I miss running in 5Ks. I really miss running in 5Ks. So hopefully there'll be some that'll start up soon, and I can get back into them. I I can't wait. Maybe I'll see you at uh, you know the turkey yeah. shot or something. Yeah, yeah down the road i missed running in the boulder boulder two years in a row that was my favorite race so i don't know if you've ever run that one i have not not yet oh it's the best 10k in the world you gotta go run it Fifty thousand people (laughs) organized chaos i'd once again like to thank my guest for their time And thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.